You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans who are listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, follow us wherever you get your podcast. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. Well, it was not a happy DeGrom day on Thursday as the Braves shockingly scored three runs against DeGrom in the first inning. The Mets came back, tied it late. Almost got the shocking win and maybe would have stole a series there, but the Braves end up pulling it out with a walk-off victory in the ninth. I'm going to talk about that game in the first segment. Then in the second segment, I want to focus in on Jeff McNeil because he has not hit since coming back off the IL. Hasn't hit this whole season, so I want to go through the numbers, do a deep dive, and try to explain what's going on with Jeff this year. And then finally in the third segment, I will preview this weekend's Subway Series as the Mets will head to the Bronx to take on the New York Yankees. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizeOnline.com. So one of the more surprising aspects of the Mets losing this series is they actually jumped out to early leads in each of the last two games that they lost. In the first inning tonight, you have Francisco Lindor draws a walk, he steals second base. Michael Conforto gets an RBI single. Look at that. He got some early offense. DeGrom's on the mound. Everything should go swimmingly. Rubber match game. Mets are going to win this series. Well, that's all erased very quickly and very shockingly because leadoff triple for the Braves, which no one saw coming, right? Not even your, your top hitter here. It wasn't Ronald Acuna Jr. who was out with an injury. So you get the leadoff triple. He then strikes out Freddie Freeman. Ozzie Albies gets a base hit. That scores the run. Now you got a runner on, and Austin Riley comes up. Jacob DeGrom dots one on the black outside corner, 100 miles per hour. Riley just sticks the bat out, gets a nice piece of contact, hits the barrel on it, boom. Opposite field home run. Braves are up 3-0. And it's like hell froze over, right? Jacob DeGrom, up to that point, up to that start, I guess I should say, had retired 36 consecutive batters in first innings. 12 starts in a row, no one's getting on against DeGrom in the first. So not only does he give up a triple, which must have thrown him off, but then he gives up a subsequent single and a home run, and everyone's panicking. Then in the second inning, a leadoff double and a single, where there's two runners in scoring position. And now you're like, okay, is DeGrom about to get rocked? Is he going to give up six or seven runs, and that ERA is going to be two tomorrow? Well, it's Jacob DeGrom. So what does he do? Strands both runners in scoring position in the second inning. Strikes out three in a row. From there on, he retired the last 18 batters he faced. Struck out 14 in the game. At one point, he struck out eight in a row. 93 pitches in this start. 70 of them for strikes. Still looked like Jacob DeGrom, just a bad inning. And he's allowed to have those. I know it doesn't seem like it. I got a frantic phone call from my dad when the home run happened, what's going on? Like somehow I can like detect exactly what happened and exactly why DeGrom for once 
showed his humanity. And not even, honestly. Sometimes you tip your cap. That's what DeGrom said after the game. You tip your cap to Riley for hitting that ball out. That was a good pitch. Regardless, Jacob DeGrom's ERA nearly doubled over his last two starts. Which you usually say, oh my god, that guy's ERA went from 2.5 to 5. Well, for DeGrom, it went from 0.50 to 0.95 over his last two starts. Still has an ERA under 1. But you get to that point. It's a 3-1 game pretty much all the way through. In the top of the 7th, the Mets show a little bit of life. Or should I say Dominic Smith does as Dom hits a Dom bomb. That puts the score at 3-2. DeGrom goes back out. Pitches the bottom of the 7th. Gets pulled for a pinch hitter in the top of the 8th. The Mets don't score. Trevor May comes in. Not the cleanest of innings. They end up getting the bases loaded, but May pitches his way out of it. Gets a big-time strikeout. Roars as he comes off the mound. You're thinking, okay, momentum might still be on the Mets' side. Then, in the top of the ninth, it really swings in their favor as Dom hits another Dom bomb. Now you're tied up. And at that point, I think everyone's thinking, all right, this is the Mets team that we've seen in the first half this season that has been leading this division. They're going to find a way. Tonight, they couldn't. They don't score again in the ninth. The Braves end up having this kind of luck-filled inning, right? You have Guillermo Heredia, Mets killer, former Met, who hits a two-footer that just gets out of the box. Seth Lugo trying to make a play on it, gets sniped, as they would say, as he just kind of you know, loses his footing in the grass, huge divot, and he, he fields it barehanded. For some reason, he tries to make a throw as he's flailing to the ground. That one sails and ends up going out of play. So now there's a runner on second base. Nobody out. Almost pitches his way out of it. Gets a ground out from Pablo Sandoval. That's the first out. Then gets a big strikeout with that runner on third. So now you have two outs, runner on third. Ronald Acuna Jr. coming up. The Mets wisely intentionally walk him. And then you have Ender Inciarte. Ender Inciarte. (laughs) Another Mets killer. Guy who's made the catches, robbing home runs, walk-off bunts. That guy has magic for no reason because he's not that good of a player. But Seth Lugo gets ahead 0-2. And instead of attacking him, he's nibbling around the zone trying to get him to strike out. I get it. Inciarte is fast. You want to strike him out if possible. You don't want to put the ball in play where an infield single can win it. But you also got to realize that Freddie Freeman's on deck. And you talk about Mets killers. I mean, Freddie Freeman is in the, you know, Chipper Jones class of Mets killers. Completely different league we're talking about. So what happens? Lugo walks in Ciarte, bases are loaded, Freeman's up. He rips one first pitch right back up the middle. It ricochets off of Lugo. Louis Guillaume tries to make an incredible play. Coming in from third, barehanding it, trying to throw out Freeman at first. Just doesn't have enough time. The Braves win the game on a walk-off infield single. Now, I know there's some Mets fans that are freaking out today because it looked like Guillaume could have made a play at third base. You had Ronald Acuna Jr. running from second, trying to get to third. He was kind of dogging it. He has a back injury, so you don't know how much he actually could run. So there's a still of when Guillaume is barehanding that ball where it looks like he can easily beat Acuna to third. Seth Lugo is screaming for him to go to third. And that could have got the Mets out of the inning. But honestly, like... That's not a play that you ever write up. I was joking about on Twitter, like how often do you plan for the ricochet off the pitcher with the bases loaded? You have a guy on second who's injured, who's dogging it. Because anyone who's not injured and is running full tilt 
that they're going to make it to third no problem. It was only because he was either dogging it or hurt that there was even a possibility for a play at third. And Guillaume's first instinct is to make an incredible play at first base and get Freddie Freeman. And the only way he can pull that off is if he wastes no motion, fields it barehanded, and throws it all at once. And he did that. He just didn't have enough time. So it's tough to ask him in that moment to check back and, and look behind his head and see that he has a play at third or to be listening to the couple people screaming third, 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 whatever it is. He was trying to make a play. He's a gamer. So I'm not going to knock him on that. It was an incredible feat of athleticism to make the play that he made, even though he didn't get the out. So let's calm down with that. The real problem was that Lugo did not pitch to Enciarte when he had him ahead 0-2. And the fact that the Mets only scored three runs in the game again, the offense struggled and it came down to just Dominic Smith and no one else really showed up. So that is the real problem here. Let's not pin it all on Guillaume in a game where the Mets might not have even won it in extras anyway. But the question now is what's going to happen with Jeff McNeil? Because he is not hitting. He's batting leadoff. I want to go through the numbers on his struggle so far this season and see if I can pinpoint what the problem has been. We'll get to that in just a minute. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is a tobacco-free long-cut pouch that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to, but without the tobacco. Available in nine flavors, Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, which is the purest form of nicotine available. Dip has been associated with the game of baseball for as long as I can remember. I have a lot of friends that started dipping on the baseball field, and then it became a staple of their everyday life. Now I recommend Fully Loaded Chew to them because it tastes and feels like the traditional smokeless products, which makes it an easy transition away from those tobacco products, which are so much worse for your health. This is the only moist nicotine pouch on the market. All the nicotine pouches are dry white pouches. Nothing dips, spits, and packs like Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is offering Locked On Mets listeners a special offer. Right now you can try a can for just $1. That's right, just $1 by going to FullyLoadedChew.com and using the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get a can for just $1 with free shipping. If you use that code locked on at checkout, the next time you go for a dip, make it fully loaded chew at fullyloadedchew.com. When the Mets got Jeff McNeil and Michael Conforto off the injured list, we thought, all right. All of the offensive woes are going to be behind them. These guys are going to spark this team, and everything's going to fall into place. Hasn't quite happened like that. Actually, the Mets were playing better before they got back, ironically enough. Maybe it's because Jonathan VR is out. Entire offense cratered once VR left. That's my guy, all right? But looking at Jeff McNeil's career, he's never been a guy that has struggled. Really, I mean, for the most part, right? You have his rookie season, comes in, 63 games. Mets are terrible that year. He's the one bright spot. Of course, Jacob deGrom's Cy Young year, but the one offensive bright spot. Hits 329, 381 on base percentage, 471 slugging percentage, an 852 OPS, a 136 WRC+. And again, WRC+, is weighted runs created plus, a metric that measures hitters based on a league average of 100. Has that great season. The new GM says, hey, Let's get a 36-year-old second baseman to take his spot in Robinson Cano, but we're not going to go down that route. It is kind of silly to look back on, but hey. 2019 rolls around. McNeil turns himself into an outfielder. 
He's playing all over the diamond. He's an all-star. He hit 318 that season, 384 on base percentage, 531 slugging percentage, 23 home runs, 38 doubles, and a triple as well. So 62 extra base hits. He had a WRC plus of 143, which is the exact same number that Pete Alonso produced. So even though Alonso had all those home runs, that metric told you that McNeil was just as effective of a hitter. That's how good of a season he had in 2019. You go to 2020, McNeil hit 311 with a 383 on base percentage and a 454 slugging percentage, OPS of 836, WRC plus of 130. And if you dig deeper into that season, McNeil had that injury where he crashed into the wall in left field, and that really kind of derailed the middle of his 60-game season where he didn't miss a ton of time, but he kind of rushed himself back into the lineup and was bad for a few weeks. Then he got hot at the end of the season. His final month in September, McNeil hit 356 with a 431 on base percentage and a 567 slugging percentage, an OPS of 998. So that's what he's capable of. Yet this season, he's hitting 226, a 312 on base percentage, and a 321 slugging percentage. His OPS is 633, his WRC plus is 91. Jeff McNeil is not a below average hitter. But this year, he's performing like one. So when I was trying to look through the numbers, it was hard to pinpoint what's going on here. Because his strikeout and walk rates are about on par with his career norms. His walk rate this year is 8% for his career, 6.9%. Strikeout rate this year, 12.7%. For his career, 12.1%. So nothing big there. The isolated power is a big one. That measures a hitter's raw power and tells you how often they're hitting for extra bases. For his career... His isolated power is 171. This season, it's just 98. So that's a big drop-off, and his slugging percentage is down pretty much across the board. No matter what pitch you're looking at, the slugging is down, so he's obviously not getting the results. He's not finding gaps, and that could just be a lack of luck, right? Hits the ball hard a lot. Line drives are just going to the wrong places. His average exit velocity is normal for his career at 88.6 miles per hour. The launch angle is down, so that explains a little bit. He's hitting the ball on the ground more. But the big outlier that I found going through all the numbers at Baseball Savant was the StatCast swing take metric. I referenced this about a month ago talking about Francisco Lindor and he was struggling. And basically, this splits the strike zone into four attack regions. You have the heart of the plate, the shadow region, which is... You know, what could be called the ball or a strike, right? The outer peripheral of the strike zone. You have the chase zone, which is further extended from that. And then the waste zone, which is just pitches that are completely out of the zone entirely. For each region, they will look at how many pitches are thrown. They'll rate the swinging or taking in that region. And then they'll assign a run value based on the outcome. So if you swing, you swing through it, it's a strike. That's a negative deduction on the run value. If you get a home run, that's obviously a big positive. So that's kind of how... They factored these things out. And I think when Rojas was talking about McNeil a couple days ago, he said something about how McNeil is chasing too many pitches out of the zone. That's not true at all, actually. Based on these numbers, over the last two seasons, McNeil has not chased a single pitch in the waste region. So if it's way out of the zone, he's not swinging. Now you look at the chase region, and once again, McNeil is a positive performer in that region. He's been assigned a positive run value in the chase region. He's only swinging at 20 pitches or 20% of the pitches he sees in that region, which is actually the best mark of his career. This season, he has been worth a combined minus 15 when it comes to run value on balls 
in the shadow region and down the heart of the plate. Now, typically, throughout his career, McNeil has struggled in that shadow region. So the pitches that you're not sure if they're a ball or a strike, he hasn't produced on contact on those. That's not where he you know, makes his money. It's right down. When he gets the pitches in the heart of the plate, when he gets those strikes, a lot of first pitch swinging for McNeil as well, he usually does his damage there, often early in counts. Well, this year, the heart of the plate, the heart region, he's been worth a run value of minus 8. In 2019, his run value in the heart region was plus 12. Last year, it was plus 3. So I know this is a lot of numbers. I'm throwing a lot of different things at you. But what all of this is boiling down to tell you is that it's not his plate discipline that's the problem. It's simply he's not making good contact on the pitches he's swinging at. He's swinging at the right pitches. Just not making good contact. Not making contact frequently enough. He's missing more than he ever has. It sounds ridiculous. But I could boil it down with the simplest of explanations. He's not hitting the ball. I know. All the people that hate metrics are saying, okay, well, what's this kid telling me? Like, really? (laughs) Like, he's not hitting the ball? Obviously. But he's swinging at 90% of the pitches that enter that heart region. He's not, he's not not identifying strikes. He's just not hitting them. And you look at the hard hit percentage, his average exit velocity, the barrel percentage. When he makes contact, he's hitting the ball hard. He's just not making enough contact. This year, his whiff rate is 20.8%. That's the worst whiff rate of his career. He's also not swinging at the first pitch as much as he had in the past. So I just think at this point, the Mets have to move McNeil down in the lineup. I think Brandon Nimmo likely should be back over the weekend, so he'll be your leadoff hitter. Put him where Pilar's been batting, bat him sixth. Get him out of that top of the lineup where there might be a little bit more pressure. And tell him to be aggressive. Swing at those first pitches. Just try to make something happen. Put the ball in play more. And also, he puts so much pressure on himself. I don't know if that can help him either. I don't know how you fix that. But it doesn't help anyone when Jeff McNeil is trying to rip his helmet in half every time he grounds out. But hey, to each their own, right? He's a competitive guy. I have full confidence he's going to figure it out. This guy has too long of a track record of being an elite hitter. Uh, I think that he probably has been screwed over a little bit with some bad luck early in the season where he was hitting the ball in the screws, not finding holes. Right now, he's fresh off the IL. It's tough to get reacclimated, even though he had no problems in Syracuse. Now you get back to the big leagues with better scouting reports on you, and you have to make some adjustments, and I think he will make those adjustments and be just fine, but the change has to happen soon because if he doesn't start hitting... You get J.D. Davis back. You get Jonathan VR back. Baseball can still be a cruel business, and he can start to lose some playing time if he doesn't figure it out. Although this weekend, he will have a nice short porch out in right field to try to break out of his slump as the Mets will be playing at Yankee Stadium. Going to preview that series in just a minute. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. There's so many amazing flavors to choose from. I always talk about the cookies and cream bar. That's my personal favorite. These are protein bars that taste like candy bars. They come covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew, and they're healthy. Built Bars come low in calories, low in sugar, but they're high in protein and high in fiber. If you want to try Built Bar today, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. 
BetOnline.com. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Whether it's the NBA playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, Major League Baseball, BetOnline has you covered. They even have awards TV shows and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered. For all the news scores and odds, the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now before we get into the series preview, I do want to touch real quick on the David Peterson injury. There's no real news yet. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. They're giving him further testing once he gets back to New York. He will not make his next start. So that is certainly going to be a big question mark next week. Who's going to fill in in the rotation? Is it Thomas Zapucky again? Are the Mets going to make a move? Is it Corey Oswalt? Is it somehow a Jared Eikhoff that clears waivers and gets right back on the roster? Is it somebody else out in Syracuse? We just don't know yet. So that's something that we'll talk about next week. Now, hopefully Brandon Nemo will return off the IL. This year, he's hitting 318, the 430 on base percentage, a 439 slugging percentage, has an 870 OPS. His WRC plus of 152 is the best mark on the Mets this season for anyone that's had at least 75 plate appearances. So to get him back, it's going to be huge. Then again, he's missed so much time that what's he going to look like when you get back? I, I just... I don't know. I I don't know if he's going to hit the ground running. You would have liked to see that, as we've talked about with Conforto and McNeil. It hasn't happened. So I don't know if you can hold out hope that Nimmo will do that. But he certainly was the guy carrying this team in the first couple of weeks of the season. So to get him back, that's definitely going to be a big boost to this team, if anything, just for their morale. Now, they're going to be squaring off against the Yankees this weekend, a Subway Series. The Yankees are in the middle of just a horrible season. If you heard their fans talk about it, you would think that they're 20 games under 500. It's the worst thing ever. Boston's running away with the division. Oh my God, everyone panic. They're 41 and 39. Like, I get it. <laughs> I understand that it's not the season that they expected so far. But the complaining is getting a little ridiculous. And I know that's probably a little bit hypocritical coming from a Mets perspective. But I do think that Mets fans, when they complain, have a little bit more of a right to complain. Right? You know? They've gone through more struggles than this Yankee fan base that is just so spoiled. But the Yankees, 41-39 on the season. They have won four of their last ten, not playing the best baseball. Jordan Montgomery will be on the mound on Friday night against Taiwan Walker. Montgomery has a 4.06 ERA on the season. Walker, a 2.38 ERA. He's allowed one run or less in eight of his 14 starts this year. And dating back to last season, Walker is fourth in Major League Baseball in having those starts. Yu Darvish has 17, where he's allowed one run or less. DeGrom has 16. Corbin Burns has 15. And then you have Walker, Kevin Gosman, and Max Scherzer tied at 14. So that just shows you how good Walker's been over the last two seasons. Been an absolute godsend to this rotation. And it'll be good to start this series with him on the mound. In game two, it'll be Marcus Stroman versus Garrett Cole. And without the aid of Spider Tack, Garrett Cole coming back down to earth a little bit. His last time out gave up a season high eight hits. 
in six runs against the Red Sox. He allowed three home runs in that game. For the season, he has a 2.66 ERA, but in June, he had a 4.65 ERA. So maybe with no sticky stuff, he is going to struggle. Then again, it's an elite pitcher against this Mets lineup. I don't know how much confidence you have in that. But Marcus Stroman is due for a good start. He got knocked around a bit his last time out, only went three innings, gave up four runs, only two of them earned the time before that. He had the hip injury where he only made it through one inning. So he's due for a nice outing, has a 2-4-5 ERA in the season, and he's the guy that gets up for the big game. So you're talking about a Saturday game, Subway Series. I don't recall if he's pitched in one yet. 2019, I can't remember at that point in the season that there was a Subway Series game that he would have pitched. So this might be the first for him. I'm sure he'll be jacked up for it. And that's definitely going to be a pitching matchup that we're all going to want to tune in for. So that's pretty much the game of this series to watch. On Sunday, the pitching matchup is Tyler McGill versus TBD right now. So not sure what that's going to look like. Is that a bullpen game for the Yankees? Not quite positive how they're planning on lining things up. McGill coming off a good start. I really liked what I saw his last time out against the Braves. Definitely an improved slider, an improved changeup, the way he was able to kind of mix speeds and keep hitters off balance was really impressive. The location I'm still worried about. I don't know if he's quite at the point where he's spotting those pitches where you want to. And if you're facing a Yankees team that has that short porch, they can still hit the long ball. I'd be nervous about McGill being able to make it through five or six innings. It might be a short day for him. It could be one of those days where he's walking a lot of batters, pitching around guys, and maybe he walks the tightrope and comes out okay, and the Mets end up getting a victory. But that you'd like to have the series won when you get to McGill pitching in Yankee Stadium for the first time. Although the kid has guts. He really does. So I would not be surprised if he had a great start. I'm just not counting on it. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show, at Locked on Mets. And if you want to get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes, check out the Locked on Today podcast. Hosted by Peter Bukowski, Locked on Today updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked on Today podcast on the Odyssey app, or wherever you get podcasts.